0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 236 of the podcast. Are you joining me live on Facebook or YouTube? Hopefully, I am on Wi-Fi that is very not stable. So, if you're seeing this live, you may see the only video version of this episode. I might just post the audio because I'm recording that separately. Today is Sunday, April 11th. Um, I am in Cedar Key, Florida, taking a, a long weekend with the family and my in-laws for my mother-in-law's birthday. Um, Jeff the Animal Wilson won't be able to jump on today. He wanted to record yesterday. I was busy. Um, I wanted to record today. He was busy. So here we are, folks. One man show. Uh, real quick, let me remind you guys if you want to grab some MMA on the Rocks gear, t-shirt, hoodie, tank top, you can do so through our friends at Team Reaper, reaper1.co is the website, you can use the promo code MMAROCKS10, that's M-M-A-R-O-C-K-S-10, the number 10, Uh, so save yourself some money there, Um, and you can also buy some gear to support other fighters, you know, everybody's always saying they wish fighters get paid more. Well, Team Reaper gives fighters the opportunity to earn more money uh, by selling t-shirts. And they are very good to the fighters as far as uh, giving them commission on the t-shirts as well. Uh, they have training gear, MMA gloves, jiu-jitsu geese, all that stuff. So go ahead, get over there. Use promo code mmarox 10 Save yourself 10%. All right. So let's talk about some fights, shall we? Uh, Mark Fellows is looking forward to a Whitaker Fight Week. Of course, always going to support the Australian fighters. And rightfully so. Maybe we'll talk uh, a little bit more about uh, supporting your country and, and not supporting other people's countries with uh, Rose Nam and Eunice's recent comments. I don't know. I haven't decided if I'm going to get into that or not. Um, let's talk about the fights last night. UFC on ABC2 uh, at the Apex in Las Vegas. Marvin Vittori, Kevin Holland. I feel like I just watched this fight a couple weeks ago. Marvin Vittori following the blueprint laid out by Derek Brunson. The biggest takeaway I had away uh, from this fight is how good Derek Brunson's wrestling is. Because Vittori obviously was having a much harder time uh, getting Kevin Holland to the ground uh, than Derek Brunson did. Uh, Dominant performance, though. Um, You know, credit to Kevin Holland for stepping up on short notice, but. You know, he kind of had to figure this one was going to go this way. And he had moments where he was he was tagging Marvin on the feet quite a bit. You know, he, he had the quicker hands. He had the quicker feet. Um, but then he would back himself up to the cage and engage in the clinch. Uh, and then once he engaged in the clinch, you know, Marvin took him down. Uh, and this happened several times. And he did it against Derek Brunson, too. Um, I don't know if it's just... You know, if it's just a bad habit where he just instinctively clinches when he gets crowded, um, that could be. Um, The the other thing is I think he's just a a little bit too small uh, for this middleweight division. You know, if guys aren't going to stand with him and they're going to smother him, um, you know, that's the way it's going to go. It's hard to get up from the ground when you're a lot smaller. You know, I think he only weighed in like 183 or something like that. Feel free to correct me on that, folks. But, yeah, maybe 170 is the place for him. You know, people are saying he needs to work on his wrestling. Um, you, you know, he th- he just faced two really tough grapplers. Don't forget that Martin Vittori was able to hold Israel Adesanya down, too. Um, so, you know, don't just come to the conclusion that Kevin Holland sucks at wrestling. Uh, there are some high-level wrestlers in this division. Um, there are 170 as well, but... You know, at least that size advantage isn't there for his opponents. So I think that might be a better place for him, because you know the things he were, was doing weren't technically wrong. Um, he just got overpowered. Um, and against Brunson, he got out technique, out technique out tactic to, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you would think you would think I have a master's degree in English or something, which I do. Um, evidence not shown today I'm a little bit tired, obviously I decided to just jump on and do this podcast By the way, while my daughter's napping on the couch over there She, she just passed out So my wife and in-laws went out for drinks So technically, watching the kiddo while I'm recording this podcast here um, Fighting a night for me was Arnold Allen and Sadiq Yusuf uh, This was a good one uh, a little bit back and forth, uh, Yusuf, you know, coming on in that third round a little bit. Uh, I think two of the judges gave that third round to him. Arnold Allen, uh, man, this guy's got some power for like a lanky guy. Uh, he was able to put Sadiq Yusuf down twice, I think, almost finish him. Um, you know, we saw that Sadiq Yusuf has an incredible chin. Um... You know, and and Arnold Allen did the right thing, not rushing in on Yusuf, because obviously he's got a lot of power in his hands as well. So um, smart move by Arnold Allen, not rushing in on Sadiq Yusuf when he had him hurt those couple of times. Um, great chin on Yusuf. And uh, this was just an awesome fight. Very dramatic. Much like the ending to the fight before that, Julian Marquez and Smiling Sam Alvey. I thought Alvi. I thought he looked good physically at 185. Um, but, he, you know, he's just one of those strange cases where I feel like he's just better at light heavyweight. And don't forget Sam Alvey used to fight at 170 uh, when he was coming through the Ultimate Fighter. He was he was a welterweight. He was much thinner back then. But, like, the guy just does well. Like, he packs more of a punch at, at light heavyweight. And some people just have a frame Um, that's better suited to be a weight class up as opposed to, you know, cutting down. Because I know it kind of contradicts what I was just saying about Kevin Holland uh, needing to move down to 170. But, you know, Kevin Holland has a different kind of frame. He has more of that ectomorph kind of frame, whereas Sam Alvey is just, you know, built a little bit thicker. Um, So he looked good physically, but he looked very flat. Um, it looked like he just couldn't find his rhythm. He couldn't get his movement going. And, uh, Marquez was able to tag him up quite a bit. Almost damn near knocked him out in that second round and kind of did him a favor by putting that choke on and then, uh, quickly took that favor back by putting him to sleep. Uh, it was a pretty vicious standing rear naked choke. Um, and luckily Mark Smith realized pretty quick that, that Sam Alvey was unconscious and stop the fight. Um, it was nasty, man, because if you guys didn't see this fight, you, you have to go back and see the finish of this one because Marquez had a rear naked choke. He was in like a standing squatting position, so he was putting all of his body weight on Sam Alvey's head to crank down uh, on his windpipe and and just cut off the blood flow to his brain. It was, it was brutal, it was vicious, and it was very impressive on the part of Marquez who after a long layoff is now um in there with back-to-back wins by submission so you know he's looking he's looking pretty good um you know especially in that last fight where he's getting his butt whipped and then James Krause told him right before the third round that he had to finish it to win and he went out there and got a submission so um you know big things for Julian Marquez his post-fight stuff is a little weird like the last time he, he asked Miley Cyrus to be his Valentine and this time he called out some football players to a badminton match. I'm not really sure what's going on there. It seems like some some inside jokes. Um, but, you know, whatever helps him, you know, keep it light, keep it playful, and keep him on his winning streak, I guess, you know, I'm not going to be too critical. Um... Mackenzie Dern, masterful jujitsu against Nina, uh, Nina Nunez now, formerly Nina Asaroff. Um I thought, you know, Nunez thought she was going to have the striking advantage, and she's not wrong as far as technical skills. Obviously, she's far more skilled of a striker, but, um, you know, when you just get rushed like that, uh, it's hard to get off any technique, um, and I think it took Nunez by surprise. You know, she was expecting to get rushed in with a takedown. It was probably working her takedown defense a lot, but she wasn't expecting to get rushed, you know, with fist flying at her face. Um, Mackenzie during a lot of people, you know, kind of praising her, her growth as a striker, I, I didn't see it so much from this performance, you know, I thought the punches were just being thrown as a distraction so that she could uh, get in on the takedown. She did hit a beautiful takedown, beautiful leg sweep off of a single leg. Um, And then it was like elementary from there. Submitted Nina with just like eight seconds left in the round, nasty arm bar. Um, You know, Nina did a good job of defending it, but um, when you're in that spiderweb position with a high level black belt, Uh, the caliber of Mackenzie Dern. Uh, She's going to be doing everything she can to take that arm home with her. Um, Let's see. Daniel Rodriguez and Mike Perry. Uh, This was concerning. Um, Shout out to Dan Tom because he's the one who pointed out that Mike Perry struggles against southpaws. And that's something I I never, it never clicked with me until he kind of said that. I never usually pay attention to which way fighters are standing, especially because uh, so many fighters switch stances now, you don't even know, you know half the time, you know, what their natural stance is. I, I, like, I know fighters who are southpaws and they fight orthodox every single time, so nobody knows that they're strong from the southpaw stance. Um, but yeah, man, Mike Perry just got pieced up. Um, he did okay, um, you know, getting Daniel Rodriguez to the ground and, and he's got heavy top pressure. But on the feet, man, he was just taking a beating and yeah, he's got a good chin, like he can take a shot, but um, that's not the foundation you want to be building a career off of, Uh, you know, being able to get blasted in the face. Uh, It looked like he had a broken orbital. He had several hematomas on the side of his face. Um, That's not healthy to, to keep doing that to your face. Um, you know, he's had fights where he, you know, the Vicente Luque fight, I think it was where his nose was completely smashed in. Um, yeah, it's, it's concerning. Um, and then, you know, there's whatever issues were going on with his coaching staff. I don't even know. Um, I've kind of tuned out of, of the Mike Perry drama just because, you know, some of it gets me a little bit frustrated. So I, I tend to tune out, when stuff is going on with him personal stuff and and you know knocking out old men at bars and and stuff like that just uh i don't like hearing stuff like that so uh, i'm kind of tuned out on whatever drama's going on with him but great performance by daniel rodriguez uh you know this uh one two right down the pipe uh it was it was working every time you know um and the the biggest problem that I noticed with Perry was he was moving straight in and straight back, and when you're moving in a straight line, uh, it's easy to get hit with those straight punches that are coming right down the pipe. He wasn't really circling out much, um, and I guess he didn't have a coach to tell him to do otherwise. Um, I, I don't know who was in his corner. I don't again. I don't know what was going on there, but um, yeah, uh, adjustments need to be made. Because it's not like he's an unskilled fighter. I mean, I think he just really needs to get his personal life together, with, you know, whatever's going on there, and um, get get some coaches who can actually like wrangle him and and get him focused and get him disciplined. Because um, that that's the only way he's gonna have a future in the sport. Otherwise, I don't think it's gonna be long before we see Mike Perry in like a bare knuckle boxing fight or something like that um let's see the prelims i was kind of in and out on the prelims i'll be honest with you guys i did see joe Selecki against jim miller um miller kind of got lucky in that first round where he was able to get on top of Selecki and, and win that round but then you know it was all top pressure from joe Selecki. not the most entertaining fight but you know impressive that he was able to hold down a grappler of the caliber of jim miller for two rounds um so You know, big credit to Selecki on that. Jim Miller, uh, I think his 37th UFC fight, which he passed the record for most uh, walks to the octagon. So that's awesome. I will never uh, miss a Jim Miller fight um, as long as he decides to keep doing this. I've been a fan for a long time. But, you know, credit to Joe Selecki for being able to uh, hold him down. Um, Matu Scamrot knocked out Scott Holtzman in the second round. Um, this was a a fairly dominant performance by the the Polish fighter here. He looked good everywhere. He looked, uh, Matt Temple says Mike Perry should be be KFC's spokesman. He probably will be. Um, you know, I imagine UFC's not going to let him have too many more performances like that before they let him go. Especially with this, uh, cutting fighters rampage they've been on lately. All right, so back to uh the Polish guy against the hockey player. Uh so Gamrot looked good. Uh his wrestling looked really solid. Um and and obviously he's got power in his hands. Uh he put Holzman down hard. Uh good job by Jason Herzog stopping this one. Minute 22 into the second round. Um you know, Gamrot made a splash, man. I wish he would have uh like called somebody out specifically, which if he did, I didn't hear it uh, in his post-fight. Uh, again, I was kind of in and out on this. Uh, his only loss is a split decision loss to uh, Goran Uh and that was back in October. So that was obviously a close fight, super well-rounded. He's only 30 years old, um, but again, it's hard to it's hard to stand out in this lightweight division, uh, especially lately there's just so many killers in that division it's so stacked um john mcdesi over ignacio bajamondes bajamondes missed weight for this one so um i was glad to see mcdesi get the win i i tell you guys all the time i'm never really rooting for or against anybody except people who miss weight uh so bajamondes misses weight he had like like a 35 inch reach advantage <laughs> he was 6'3 compared to mac desi's 5'8 um, but mac Desi did a good job closing the distance and and landing the bigger shots and you know bloodying bahamondes up That was a pretty good fight um don ho versus jorgen de castro i was i was telling you guys i was looking forward to this one last week and i missed this fight but it looked like it was a knockout in the first round, 3 minutes, 2 seconds for Donho. Ho. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to go back and watch that one. You guys, let me know your thoughts on that. Um, I'll definitely have to check that one out. Uh, Jack Shore with a split decision over Hunter Azar. Uh, I'm sure that was probably a good scrap. I didn't catch that one either. Uh, Luis Saldana, unanimous decision over Jordan Griffin. And Daung Jung getting the unanimous decision over William Knight. I'm sorry to read that. And uh, this one I definitely need to go back and watch. Impa Kasangane against Sasha Polatnikov. Kasangane getting the second round rear naked choke. 26 seconds into the second round. So I I have to see what led up to that. Uh, You guys let me know if there's anything else on the prelims that was worth checking out. For those curious? sipping on some uh Old Forester 86 proof. This is one of my go-tos and uh happens to be the wife's favorite whiskey, so whenever we travel, I usually bring along a bottle of that and it happens to be the only thing I have in reach. Uh so I may have to go grab something else going to be here until tomorrow afternoon. So May have to grab some more booze. Uh, there was Bellator as well. I heard Ryan Bader beat uh, Leota Machida. I didn't hear anything else about that card. Uh, it happened on Friday, so if there was anything on there worth watching, uh, let me know. And uh, I probably won't watch it because it's Bellator. <laughs> Unless you tell me like something really wild happened, but then I feel like I would have seen it on Twitter. I would have seen a, a highlight or a clip or something on there um let's take a look at next week's card and this looks awesome i have not really looked at this card too closely yet and it looks really good all right so we got the main event robert whittaker and kelvin gaslam so gaslam uh stepping up on short notice barely short notice uh to fill in for i believe it was paulo costa who pulled out of this fight Mark says he watched Bellator, but he can't remember anything about it. That's pretty much what I figured. Um, I, I can't imagine anything too crazy happen. All right, so Whitaker and Gaslem This is a really interesting fight. Um, you know, on paper, Whitaker should win this one. But the problem is that when Calvin Gaslam is supposed to lose fights, nobody tells Calvin Gaslam. because these are the spots where he tends to show up um, and shine the brightest uh, when he's like a big underdog, which I imagine he is against Whitaker, especially coming in on short notice. Um, You know, you can't discount the toughness of Calvin Gastelum. Um, Again, skill for skill, you you know, Whitaker is is probably light years ahead of Gastelum, but i always remember what Chael Sonnen says about Gastelum. He said he couldn't figure out what he's good at, and then finally, after the whole season of The Ultimate Fighter, he figured the thing. He figured out the thing he's good at is winning fights. <laughs> I always thought that was funny because it, I guess Gastelum has this uh, reputation for, you know, being the opposite of a of a gym killer. You know, you have these guys who perform really well in the gym, and then they get onto the spotlights, and nothing comes together. Apparently, Kevin Gaslam is the opposite of that. He, you know, he gets tossed around in the gym, but then when the lights are on him, um, you know, that's when he does his best work. I think this is going to be a really exciting fight. Um, you know, both of these guys have a gritty style. Um, none of them are really like stallers. Uh, you know, you saw, you've seen Robert Whitaker even like on one leg still coming forward against Joel Romero. I uh, Can't deny the toughness of that guy. Uh, in addition to all the skills and advantages he has. Uh, Co-main event, I didn't even know this one was happening. Jeremy Stevens and Drakkar Close. Uh, There's no way that this fight is not fireworks. Uh, These are two guys who both love to throw heavy leather. Um, If this one goes the distance, it's going to be bloody. It's going to be a bloody mess. (laughs) I can promise you that much. Um, So I'm really looking forward to that fight, actually. Let's see, where are these gonna be? This is gonna be at the Apex as well. Andre Arlovsky and Chase Sherman. Chase Sherman has been in and out of the UFC more than anybody in recent memory. Like he's come and gone a couple of times and I can with one click look it up, um, but I'm not going to. I'm just gonna leave it at, it's been a bunch of times. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's an exciting guy. Um, you know, he, he throws really hard. Arlovsky, man, the longer he's sticking around, the closer he's coming to like a 500 record, 30 and 20 right now. Um, I, I can never, like part of me will always want to see Arlovsky win just for the nostalgia because I've been watching him fight uh, since back in the day. You know, the the wars with Tim Sylvia uh, and, and everything in between. Uh, he's had a couple of resurgences in his career um and even going fighting outside of the UFC as well. So that's something him and Sherman have in common. Uh so this should be a fun heavyweight fight. And we got uh Abdul Razak Al-Hassan fighting Jacob Malkoon who is 4 and 1 and I am not familiar with him so I am going to make the extra click on this one. And let's see he's got one loss. It was a knockout loss in his last fight, which was in the UFC. I don't know what this guy's deal is. If you guys have any additional information on him, please let me know. And I'm getting FaceTime called by my wife right now, so I don't know what's going on. But let me text her back real quick. Sorry, folks. So Al Hassan against uh, Malcoon. So yeah, I don't know what's going on with this one. Al Hassan, obviously crazy explosive knockout power. And here's he's going against a guy who got knocked out in his last fight and only has five fights. So I'm not a conspiracy theorist or anything, but oh, okay. Mark is telling me that Kuhn is Whitaker's training partner. Um, Mark, is, are you drinking out of a shoe in your um, in your profile picture there? I I love the T-shirt you're wearing an MMA on the Rocks T-shirt, but right, is that a shoe you're drinking out of there, my friend? um let's see Luis Pena and Alex Munoz uh Munoz is only six and one as well so another fairly inexperienced guy and uh you know you're all familiar with violent Bob Ross he never puts on a boring fight either so that's a good one uh Bill Algio, who's uh coming off of that win over Spike Carlisle, he's fighting uh, Ricardo Ramos Tracy Cortez and Justine Keish. I'm going to jump around a little bit here. Jessica Penne, who was supposed to fight Hannah Goldie a few weeks ago, is going to get in there against the undefeated Lupita Godinez. Oh, Gerald Mearshart fighting on this card. He's getting in there against Bartoas Fabiniski. I don't think I've seen that guy fight for a while. Yeah, not a whole lot going on around the bottom of this card. So let's see. I'm going to give you guys my sleeper fight pick. is going to be the uh, Luis Pena, Alex Munoz. I think that one's going to be that one's going to be a really exciting one. I know uh, Pena wasn't able to fight in his last contest uh, because of some COVID stuff, I believe. Alex Munoz is coming off of a loss in his last fight and yeah that's about it for this card okay Mark confirmed that he is drinking out of a shoe in his profile picture so there's that yes yes I am well good on you Mark I uh, am still not gonna commit <coughs> to uh, to uh, doing one of those shoeys that you're such a fan of all right, sorry, folks. I'm a little bit distracted right now. People coming in and out, and uh, I'm trying to trying to look up some some things as well. Probably should have prepared a little bit more, but it's just not my style. I had to jump on here real quick. Not like I ever prepare any more. So other other weeks when I do the show, like maybe I put a little more thought into what I'm drinking and, and telling you guys about it. All right, the Rose Namajunas stuff. Um, I'll I'll get into it real quick because Twitter was going crazy this morning. Basically, she did an interview. I'm not even sure who the interview was with, uh, but people were sharing this soundbite of her saying that Wiley Zhang represents a communist country. Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. She represents a communist country, and um, that's motivating her to get ready for the fight because she'd rather be dead than go red. Um yeah, this was awkward, man. Uh, it's awkward anytime like you make it personal based on somebody's background, like the country they come from or their religion. Um it's obviously a very sensitive area, especially now with Zhang coming from China and, you know, us <laughs> here in America Blaming the coronavirus on China and things like that. Things get very tense. A little bit of background that will, you know, definitely not excuse her behavior, but maybe connect the dots a little bit more. Rose is Lithuanian. And uh, not to give a history lesson to you guys, but uh, Lithuania, as well as some of the other Baltic area countries, uh, was invaded by Communist Soviet Union and was and they were only um they were only won their freedom you know as late as like 1990 um and during that time there was a lot of genocide going on against the lithuanian people and then once capitalism was instated in lithuania it kind of revived the economy and there's a big feeling of we can never go back to communism because the communist russians were murdering our people and destroying our economy and then once we switched back to capitalism you know everything was great the economy was thriving again so rose sees wiley is coming from a communist country and for her that's lighting the fire in her to get motivated for this fight and listen if you talk to enough fighters you're going to find wacky reasons why they're motivated for fights. Um, Most of us are never going to understand why they get in there in the first place. So whatever extra motivation they need to get in there and compete is on them. But once you say something out loud about somebody's country or where they come from or their religion or anything like that, that's when it gets uncomfortable for everybody. Uh, So yeah, she probably shouldn't have said that but just to give you guys a little bit of background where she's coming from uh as as someone from a Lithuanian lineage you know maybe i could you know give you a little bit of extra information that won't make you beat her up too much but um yeah she's definitely going to take a hit for this one probably worse than uh when she was saying she was traumatized from the bus incident from Connor McGregor um you know she she took a pretty bad hit bad hit from you guys on that one as well um i I mean just realize too that she's just a human being so you you know sometimes we just say things that pop into our head and maybe don't even fully mean them you know i don't think that you know i don't know rose personally but i don't think she really thinks like she's fighting for her freedoms as an american uh against a fighter who happens to be from a communist country and carry the flag of that country um I think it's probably just like something like a motivational tactic she's using in her training to get through some hard sessions. And, you know, maybe she said it out loud. Um, All that being said, I'm not making excuses for her. I'm just trying to possibly shed a little light on, you know, where she's coming from. Uh, I definitely don't condone the fact that she should think that she's getting in a cage fight and it's, you know, the United States versus you know the evil communist monster china uh i definitely don't believe that i hope that she doesn't believe that either um you know i think i hope it was just something she was saying for dramatic effect or or something to that extent in any case um and and don't listen to to what i'm saying about the history and everything either i'm not even convinced that that's fully accurate uh, <laughs> but you guys can do a little like Googling, you know, from what I remember from history class and stuff like that, I, I think it's, it's somewhat accurate, but I'm not that great with dates and stuff. I drink a lot of alcohol and I get punched in the head. In any case, um, that's it. That was this week's card. Next week's card. next week's card, we got wrapped up. Um, yeah, so got a lot of exciting things going on in mma uh good fights lately uh, i'm looking forward to this card next week i know mark is definitely looking forward to next week's card with all these australian fighters on there uh should be a good time and we're going to see where this middleweight picture shakes out because obviously with with Vitor's performance um i don't think stylebender is going to be too anxious to give him that rematch i think the most likely re- so Here's our options: Vittori and the winner of Whitaker and Gastelum. I think the most likely scenario is if Gastelum wins, he gets that rematch because their fight was was so competitive and it and was so good when they fought for the interim title. Um, you know, if Whitaker wins, it would have to be in dominant fashion for him to get the title shot, and I think as long as this upcoming fight is impressive the winner of that will get the title shot um just because it you know marvin didn't do anything that kind of would get adesanya to bless him with that opportunity so to speak because he's he's going to be the one making the call i don't think the ufc is going to step in on this one i think they're going to sit back and wait to see you know where there's a little bit of heat where there's a little bit of friction and how this whitaker gasol fight kind of shakes out. Um before they try to force Adesanya's hand. You know, I think he's got a little bit of leverage there as far as choosing his next opponent, uh, especially after stepping up in weight, taking on the the light heavyweight champ there. Um, He seems to be calling his shots the whole way, and I don't imagine that'll change. So uh, somebody's got to do something to get his attention in this uh, performance on Saturday night because I don't think Vittori did it. And, And that's just me talking. I didn't hear Adesanya's comment on the fight at all, but... You know, there's that. And then you've got, you know, Costa still around. I don't know what his deal is. You've got Brunson, who who looked good in his last fight. Um, And then, obviously, Darren Till is going to be sidelined for a while with a broken collarbone. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out in the middleweight division. Other than that, not a whole lot going on. Um, Should be back uh, regular time next week with Jeff. We'll try and coordinate a little bit better next week. He had a lot of stuff going on today and obviously I'm on vacation. So once the, uh, once the kiddo decided to take a random nap, I I opened the laptop and poured myself a whiskey and jumped on here with you guys. So, uh, thanks for checking out the episode this week. Thank you as always for all the feedback, all the criticism. Um, I do take it all to heart. Uh, I may not listen to all of it because at the end of the day, I just got a show to run, but I do appreciate it every time I get it. Um, Sharing the episode so other people find out. Reviewing wherever you happen to be watching or listening or consuming the podcast. I appreciate all the reviews you guys leave. Uh, And the drink recommendations. You guys have been coming through with some good ones lately. Uh, I got a long wish list of whiskeys and beers I need to be checking out. Um, one more reminder if you want to get some MMA on the Rocks gear, you can do so via our friends at Team Reaper, reaper1.co. I'll put all the uh, the links in the show notes uh, wherever you are watching or listening. Uh, promo code MMA ROCKS10. It's MMA ROCKS10. And uh, grab yourself MMA on the Rocks t shirt, hoodie, or tank top, or some other cool gear. They make some really cool rash guards now, too. Uh, I have my first rash guard on the way, so I'll let you guys know. Um, I'll let you guys know how that one is once I get to try it out for sure. All right, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, give him a hard time for having plans and being busy on a Sunday. You can do so at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. And you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks. Everywhere on social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can email me, mmmanlerocks And Mark says, don't forget, he's got triple IPAs on order for the triple title fight at UFC 261. Could get messy. I like that you're doing a themed beer event for UFC. That's awesome. All right. Uh, that's it. That's all i got for this week. Quick little episode. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.